Good day, podcast world, and thank you for making it to another episode of Casual Nonsense. With you always, I'm your host, Mark. If you like what you hear on this episode, or really any episode for that matter, please be kind and share this podcast with a friend or a loved one. We welcome all visitors. So I think you'll find today's guest, Connor Quinn, uh, really interesting. Uh, He is in a line of work that I think at one point, maybe we all think that we could do it, or at least maybe would be a fun gig to have. While being a voice actor is probably an enjoyable job on most days, uh, what I learned from Connor is that it's not as simple as just grabbing a microphone and you start talking. There's definitely more of a science to it. Join me today as Connor dives into how he got started in this business, and also he talks about some of the ins and outs of the industry and what the average listener probably doesn't know about voice acting. So, I had a great conversation with him. I enjoyed it, and I think you will too. Connor, man, thanks for joining Casual Nonsense today. I appreciate it. How are you doing today? Okay? Man, doing great. And, it, you know, it's my pleasure to be on here. I've listened to your podcast, and just I'm a fan. And so I'm honored that uh, you let me you let me be in your playground here. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that, of course, because, you know, I need all the fans we can get. We're, we're new, so, <laughs> so we accept all fans, you know. <laughs> nice. Right. Yeah, no one, did, no one turned away. No, yeah, that's right. Everybody's welcome. The, the water's great. Come on in. We got free donuts, you know. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> right. And they're quite tasty, I might add. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Fantastic. So, listen, you, you, you caught my attention. You have a very interesting job profession. You are a voice actor. Is that the way you describe yourself? Yep. Okay. I sure am. Yeah. Voice actor, voiceover. Yeah. Just, I'm basically an actor that talks for a little, I sit in a booth, a dark booth and I talk to myself <laughs> and the best part is I get paid for it. So in, in some places that's crazy in this place, that's a living. So there you go. <laughs> right. What I used to get in trouble for in high school and junior high, I now get paid for. So who needs algebra? Retribution, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> So yeah, so when I was looking into you, like when we first started kind of communicating back and forth, um, I went over to your website and, you know, cause you said, oh, I've been voice actor for I think 36 years or, you know, somewhere around that range. And I was like, man, right. you got to have a lot of, a lot of credits. So I looked at right on the front of your website. I checked out your demo reel and it's awesome. I'm like, this is really cool. Like I, I'm pretty sure I've seen a lot of those ads and it's amazing how wow. in the subconscious that, you know, you don't think about the person doing it, right? Does, I mean, there's definitely memorable voices, right. right? If you were the announcer for all the, the boxing matches, I don't know that guy's name, right? But he does all the boxing and he's, you know, been in movies or whatever. Like that guy's voices. But that's what I'm saying. You hear these commercials and I'm like, man, like, I guess I want to ask you a little bit about that. Like, so how did you get started? And like, what did you just wake up one day and you said, you know what? I want to sit in a box at home and talk to myself. Yeah. <laughs> I went out and, yeah, I went out to a Walmart and purchased this voice. no. You know, I was a child actor. I started out uh, to back up. My grandfather was a cameraman in uh, Hollywood at CBS Television City in Hollywood, you know, for The Price is Right and for, you know, the soap operas that they did. And that oh, sort of nice. Thing. So we'd go out and visit him. And, you know, I'm a child of the 70s. There was nothing bigger at that time, really, before Star Wars came along than, than Winnie the Pooh. And it just so happens that the the guy that did the voice of Winnie the Pooh, Sterling Holloway, would hang out with him and some of his buddies at this old Greasy Spoon when they'd take a break uh, in Hollywood. And so when we would go out or when we went out there, my grandfather said, hey, would you like to meet Winnie the Pooh? And I'm like, 
you know, I'm six years old. Yes. Yeah. You're expecting a bear with no, with no, with no pants. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Instead, this, it was this older, you know, kind of effeminate, uh, red, red haired guy. It was really strange. I don't know why the heck he was hanging out with all these guys that were doing, uh, you know, that were grips and stuff. But, but there he was. And he talked, his real voice was Winnie the Pooh. And I was, I was fascinated, but yet kind of in fear of why is this guy talking this way? Anyway, we hit it off and he asked my grandfather, uh, does your grandson do a, a British accent because we need a new Christopher Robin. So anyway, my grandfather lied to him and said, yeah, he does. Yeah, he's amazing. He does a great British accent. <laughs> and Sterling says, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have him uh, audition. My dad and my grandfather, both from Oklahoma, worked with me six years old, and I was born in New Mexico, trying to get me to do a British accent. It was... How long did you have to get it down? We had three months. Three months. Three months, right. When they were finished with me, I sounded worse than Dick Van Dyke on Mary Poppins. It was... <laughs> and my, you know, it was, it, I mean, it was, it was ugly. It was horrible. So I went and auditioned and got it simply for the fact that I think that Sterling Holloway had met me and recommended me. Oh, right. So I was cast, did uh, Christopher Robin. I couldn't even read my scripts. They had to whisper my lines to me. <laughs> but it was amazing getting to work with such a, you know, it was the incredible cast. It was the original 1969, 68, I think. A lot of those people did a lot of the uh, the early Disney cartoons, right? Like, like Robin they Hood did. and things like that, right? Those are the same... Yes, sir. That's yep. all right. And Sterling Holloway is a Disney institution. He played Ka the Snake in the Jungle Book. Okay. Uh, he was the stork in Dumbo. They used his physicality as an inspiration to create the one of the seven dwarves uh, that was called Dopey. So the guy has, I mean, uh, Walt Disney loved loved him and, and used him a lot. Loved that. It was such a strange voice. No, he was the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland, which was one of my favorite roles that he did. I mean, and that's just the kind of guy he was. He's uh, from Georgia, uh, kind of laid back, but had that that real soft, you know, um, you know, it's not really in my realm, but yeah, yeah. just really, <laughs> really soft voice. And at the time growing up in the 70s, you know, for a guy to talk to you like that, that was amazing. I mean, I, you know, no guy I'd ever talked to had done that. So that was my first introduction to people that do this for a living. So I did that. And immediately uh, after that, I started getting roles you know, for, uh, you know, various TV shows and stuff and, and thousands of commercials. Even at that young age, like you started getting them like teenage years, things like that. You were, you, you were cranking it out. Yeah, I sure was. And, you know, uh, when I was on little house in the prairie, Michael Landon was uh, the executive producer and he'd gathered up all of his children one day and he, he was looking at us. You have to remember this was the seventies. And he said, mm, yeah, I'm, yeah, no, I don't see any Robert Redford's no Paul Newman's here. No Liz Taylors. Yeah, when you all grow up, you're going to be pretty much fat, bald, and ugly. Well, I raised my hand. He said, yeah, Connor. And I said, uh, well, why are you here? He said, oh, that's a good question. He said, I, I, let's see, I can build the set. Uh, I can write. I can produce. I can direct. And, uh, oh, uh, oh, by the way, I can act. So you guys need to find other things to do. So if the acting thing doesn't work out, you can still stay in Hollywood and be in the, in the business. So he put us with people on the set that uh, kind of matched us up with people that would be of interest to us. So I was matched with or paired with the the cameraman. I just I loved it. It was just another aspect of the business. Yeah. Several weeks later, uh, Michael had come around to me and he says, you know, Connor, you like to talk a lot. 
I think that uh, I think you ought to go into voiceover. Done. The rest is history. So right, yeah, because they knew that at it, it, that magical age of twelve or thirteen, you start getting awkward, and either you're very very handsome and continue probably to get leading roles, or you're just like me. You just I was just an ordinary thin, just a regular looking kid. Yeah. So I, you know, my competition was immense, but voiceover that was a an area that uh, I seemed to thrive in, and man, I found my tribe when I went to voiceover. It was just you could show up in your pajamas. You didn't have to. You didn't back then, you know, I was thin my whole life because they didn't let us eat. You know, I think that's why I'm kind of a big guy now is because I enjoy food. When I was a kid, <laughs> we didn't. I, you know, I think I had my first uh, milkshake when I was eight, uh, 14. Wow. So, you know, I didn't drink soda. All that stuff was, you know, kept a, deprived of us uh, <laughs> because you had to be 100 pounds uh, to get the rolls, to get the commercials. Or, I see. You know, you wouldn't be cast. Wow. Yeah, that's the long story of how I got into voiceover. But once I was no longer having to do on camera and, and you know, be on the set at 4 a.m. and all that, being in the studio with voiceovers, you know, were, were basically nerds. Like I say, I always felt like I was on the island of Misfit Toys. Well, I found I found it. We're all broken. You know, as I've learned, you know, we all have stories. We all have yeah. those things where we didn't feel like we fit in. Uh, but, boy, it was sure the case with the voiceover. That was my tribe. I that's, that's really cool. Like, so to, to be around at the beginning, I mean, you got someone at the time, you know, Michael Landon was, you know, the guy that's cool to get some advice and like just living right there. It sounds like your grandfather too was, uh, like you said, he, uh, he lied like any good salesman would do and say, of course he could do a British accent, right? Yeah. What are you talking about? It's show business, baby. You know, it's like, you know, what's difficult yeah. about that is that there's no internet back then. It's not like you could just Put on YouTube no. and like practice. So you got to, I don't know, you're probably pulling out some, you know, some, some clips, some movie clips or something and just do some records. I don't know. There was no uh, video at the time. So my parents, you know, my dad and grandfather couldn't pull out a videotape and start practicing. We did have access to cassette tapes. So they had uh, sampled off the radio and stuff and recorded uh, movies and stuff that they'd seen on TV with the, uh, actors speaking in a British accent. So that was what I do as I sit and listen to, I had cassettes and I had reel to reels that they would play for me. Mm, okay. And like you said, there was no internet to do research. You know, now we just jump on YouTube and, you know, figure out, you know, yeah. how do I drain my washer or what, whatever the question is. Anything you it's need, it's there. out there. Yeah. Some, is, someone right. thought of it and there's a training video, at least five, you know, YouTube university. That's right. Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. No, I dig that, man. I dig that. What, what age did you leave California? So I've only, you know, been here probably the last, I would say probably 10 years or so. Um, okay. So, so left, you, so you were in California, like most of your life, my right? whole life. Okay. Yeah. I was born in New Mexico, but, uh, you know, I'd fly back and forth, uh, during summer vacations or whatever, being educated in everything as a child pretty much was in LA and separated from family. You know, we were, uh, kind of in a dormitory, uh, of all boys. And then they had a dorm dormitory of all girls. It was uh, kind of a strange way of living. You know, I was separated from my parents. Uh, they would come out and visit. Did you have to be in LA to get the voiceover jobs? Yeah. So back then, you know, again, no internet and the only real places to work as a voiceover to make any money really would be either the coast, New York or LA, maybe Chicago. And you had to audition, right? You had to go and show up. Yes, and, okay. exactly. That's not to say people that did, uh, small town radio uh, throughout the Midwest or, you know, you know, Ohio or wherever the heck they're doing it, 
you know, probably made a very comfortable living, but to be a real big, you know, a big celebrity, not really a celebrity. Um, I've never been a celebrity, but I'm just saying to, to up your game in voiceover, uh, you had to be on one of the coasts if you had, if you wanted to get an agent. I see. Um, you know, luckily I had a great agent. She's still my agent. You know, she's been my agent for most of my life. Uh, Joan Benari, she's still, she's still my agent. All right. Shout out to Joan. Yeah. <laughs> there Thank you, go. you, Joan. Yeah. She's like my second mom. Nice. That's perfect. Yeah, I think that's, I find that interesting because, um, like I said, because nowadays you can just go, there's websites that you can go to and just submit yep. all your stuff and it's out there. So, uh, but you definitely got that old school, like, vibe going with it, you know? You know, I see the, uh, you know, on Twitter or, or, diff- or Facebook or whatever, they're saying, well, they're complaining about, you know, I have so many auditions to do today and da da da. I don't know if I can get through them all. It's like <laughs> back when I first started you would have to drive to your agent's office and do one or two auditions there, or you might have to drive across the Valley into Burbank or wherever we're going and do auditions at various studios. So you had traffic, you had gas, you had drive time. Um, and those were just for auditions. That's, there's no guarantee of anything. Right. Sometimes you had to fly to New York to do an audition and there was still no guarantee. But if it was a big enough job, you took the risk. It was like gambling. Or yeah, because you need money. Got to eat. Absolutely. That's how you, <laughs> that's how you did it. And uh, so now, you know, I'm, I'm in my, uh, my padded room and I submit my voice work all over the world. You know, uh, just this morning I was doing some uh, voice work for uh, a client in Germany, hmm. you know, it's in the UK. I've got, I've got clients literally all over the world. You know, that's just something that also, I, I never really did that before in LA. It's just like, we just worked the U S and Canada. Now it's like, uh, you know, I've got clients in Hong Kong, uh, Dubai, and you name it. It's just, they're everywhere. So what are some of the, I, I know you do the commercials. Um, you've done some video games. Is that right? What other options are there? I mean, I, th- those will keep you busy anyways, but what are some yeah, other, sure will. what are some other things you've done? Have you done any voiceover like in movies? I don't know how much call there is for like, yeah, the, you the know, cartoons? So, yeah, it's called, it's called ADR, which is additional dialogue replacement. So uh, real quickly, uh, for some, you know, for a lot of people who are not familiar with the film business, if if we're shooting a scene in a busy restaurant uh, between, a, you know, a guy and this girl that he's uh, interested in, if we're shooting that scene, we don't want the people in the restaurant talking because we, that would be picked up and it'd make it hard on editing. Yeah. So those actors are pretending to talk and it's dead quiet in that restaurant. The only two people you hear talking is the man and the woman. So they record the, the scene and then ADR, uh, what we call, you know, uh, a looping group will go back in their actors and they create conversation and mumbles. And we use that to put in the film. So it makes it. So anyway, I was telling you the other night, you know, you just kind of talk. So it gives it that ambiance around the restaurant. <laughs> right. wow. Yeah. So that uh, in Australia acting, they call it Walla. And that term is also uh, used a lot in Los Angeles or, you know, in the biz, uh, you know, we need some Walla which means, you know, background sound. Background noise, and, yeah. Yeah, so ADR, it's used in dubbing a lot. So if we have a Italian film and they speak Italian, they, would they need a uh, an English-speaking actor to dub the lines? Many years ago, when I was in college, uh, I was a, a production assistant on City Slickers, and we were shooting in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I got on as a PA, which means we carried cable. We did everything that the the normal people didn't want the to do. Grunt, yeah, the grunt work that nobody wants. The grunt yeah. work, yeah, exactly. But it was fun, you know. Is you know, probably for my fellow students, it was more exciting. They had never been on a film set, whereas I had grown up on a film set, so it was 
nothing really new for me, but it's film is still exciting. I don't care. I, I still enjoy the whole act of doing it. It's like a carnival life. Anyway, the, the Jack Palance uh, was, uh, you know, in the film and uh, he had pneumonia at the time and we're shooting dead cold out in the desert in the winter, but they were trying to make it look like summer. Well, he was dying. You know, he had, he had pneumonia, uh, riding a horse and he was just miserable. Well, anyway, they needed a, a thing where he's whistling at the cattle and he couldn't do it. I have an IMDb credit as the whistle for Curly in <laughs> City, <laughs> City Slickers. That's cool. So, but yeah, so there's that and there's animation. I've done, you know, lots of cartoons over the years. Uh, so animation is, uh, you know, a big side of voiceover. There's a lot of voiceovers that don't do animation and a lot of people that do animation that don't do commercials. My wheelhouse is both. Uh, I have a flexible enough voice voices right in the middle so it helps me uh you know i mean years ago I, I remember doing some radio shack commercials and they featured the jetson as an aside i really miss radio shacks <laughs> i do too i mean yeah that was the nerd kingdom i mean right. they spoke our language yeah right no i i really do miss it too you go go in there and buy a transistor for some i mean that of everything there was stuff in they had you know electronic chess sets and you know we could go on and on but anyway i miss them too so this commercial, well, we see how successful the commercials are. Hell, it, you know, the place isn't even around anymore. But <laughs> Probably had nothing to do with your commercial, I'm sure. <laughs> well, let's hope not. So anyway, they wanted to use the Jetsons from Hanna-Barbera. Uh, my mentor, Dawes Butler, uh, provided the original voice of Elroy Jetson. Uh, he had since passed, so uh, I had auditioned for it, and I got the role. You know, I was still pretty thin, you know, uh, guy back then, but still, I didn't look like I would be capable of doing this Elroy, voice. Elroy, yeah. Right. And so, K-pop, uh, I wonder if Astro will get to play. Huh. I think it's so exciting at Radio Shack. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, it's one of those voices that, you know, he's whatever he is, five, six years old. So, anyway, there's the animation, and my voice just allows me in the middle to go really low or to go to the other end, which is real deep, to do the, you know, film trailers, movie trailers. Yeah. You know, I, I did a lot of the Harry Potter's, uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone begins Friday, November 23rd at a theater near you. You know, so it has that, you know, that low rumble. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, well, that actually answers so, my, my next question. I was going to ask you if you okay. do a lot of voices. Uh, clearly, you just did, you know, two or three. So, all right. I wasn't sure, like, what kind of range that like, people usually ask for. But, you, I do, you know, I'm, I'm not Mel Blank with a thousand voices or whatever, but I, I think I have. You know, I'm somewhere between a 150 or 200 voices that I do. Okay. Comfortably. You know, I, like this morning, I had to create a voice unique for this product. You know, so every day it's it's putting elements together that, you know, I, I'm a people watcher. Uh, when I'm watching movies, good or bad, I'm just watching for the characters. I'm not really following the plot line or anything. I'm just picking up voices that, that, that get my ear. And I just file it away. And so when I have to create a character, I might pull back those uh, characters. You know, in, in this business, it's hard to even, you know, talk about being in the business as long as, I, you know, I've been in it since Marconi invented radio, basically. Well, so I said, do you ever think about doing, if you do voices like that, you ever think about kind of putting together your own production? You know, when you think of something like um, the dude that does Family Guy. Right, like he does oh, all Seth of them. McFarlane, Seth yeah. McFarlane, right? Yeah. So he does a lot of different voices. I mean, I don't know if he does the writing himself. I think he might, but you ever think about doing something like that, where you find an animator or whatever, and just kind of create your own show? I'm not really, I'm not good in the in that utility as far as is writing and story concept and stuff. And 
the way my day is, I just don't have time. I, I make my ROI, my return on investment is by doing voiceover. So um, I would be completely open to it if someone that was like a Walt Disney or a Seth MacFarlane had a story and wanted to cast me to do the characters, I'd be more than open to oh, it. I see. Okay. But it would not be a successful venture for me to uh, conceive a story and write it. Sure. Uh, I really have no tell. I mean, I can't build a damn house. I can't fix a car. <laughs> but uh, if you need me to talk, I sure as hell can do that. Right? What about uh, what about audiobooks? Ever do any audiobooks? I've done one. And I'll never do another one. <laughs> Not a good experience. Oh my huh? God, Mike! There's so many hours, and and by the time you're on chapter thirty, the author, you know, he emails you back and says, "You're sounding great, uh, Connor, but uh, you know, in chapter four, uh, the one little guy that uh, you know comes down the hall, you mispronounced his name, and so he's on about thirty-five thousand pages. So you need to go back and change that. I would make faster money, quicker money, and funner money." just by doing crest toothpaste commercials. Maybe you should look into like kids stories where it's just a couple of pages, right? There you go. Like, let's not go for the uh, 300 page epic novel. Well, you know, (laughs) I've done some of those for Disney. You know, it's, uh, uh, you'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear Tinkerbell go like this. You know, it's, you know. That's just the switch for you. You just turn that right on and it's like, boom, voice. I love it. Yeah. I love There's it. There's something wrong with, yeah, I probably sh- should be on a little more medicine than I am right now. Mark, but, uh. <laughs> Listen, this is the judgment-free zone here, so so you're safe. Okay, well then, <laughs> hell yeah, there's absolutely something wrong with me, but I'm going to try to make as much money on it as I possibly can. That's, that's the spoken like a real American entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> or something, yeah. So, how would someone uh, get started in voiceover? So, if if uh, someone just wakes up one day and says, "You know what? I want to be in video games because that looks cool. I want to be a cartoon voice." Is there something that like that you recommend, like acting classes for them, or just what do you think? That's exactly it. You know, a lot of people in this day and age, where uh, you know nobody goes into really nobody goes into fast food restaurants. We just drive through. Uh, we use the drive-through probably more than any other nation, and we're just mm. you know it's pretty sad. Everything really, has but, to be yeah. that fast. So a lot of people jumping into voiceover, they want the career that fast, but this isn't Taco Bell. It doesn't work that way. You know, with all the stuff that uh, you know coming down on everyone, you know, podcast hosts, uh, commercial writers, uh, artists, and voiceovers is AI. You know, that's uh, that's true. That's the big pink elephant in the room that is threatening everybody's job right now because, you know, why should, uh, you know, why should I have a writer? Why should I have a voiceover when I can have AI do it or whatever? So now more than ever, whether they're uh, starting out as uh, to do commercials or they want to do film or whatever, acting, you know, you have to have a basis in acting. Uh, It started for me that way. And uh, that's how you get jobs because it's so competitive. I mean, there's thousands of people trying to go for the same job. What's going to put them over the edge over you is they have a better grasp of acting so they can nail that character, uh, within the first five seconds of the read. Well, especially nowadays, right? Cause if you're, if someone's making a movie, like you're, what sells that movie is the actor or actress that's that's yeah. voicing that character, you know, and to the point now, like you also have to sing. Yeah, exactly. And now that's something that is a talent I don't have. So everything I've ever done, you know, I've been involved with Sesame Street since I was six years old. <laughs> and that has come back to haunt me a lot is I don't sing. I'm, I don't have that ability to sing right. after I can do all these voices, but I sure as hell can't sing. You know, 90% of my voiceover is not, they don't cast me on my voice. 
they simply they cast me on my ability to tell stories to take the listener and pull them in so you lower your voice and you're just talking like you know you're having a beer with some guy or maybe you're at starbucks and you're that's the kind of way they want advertising done now it's not you know in my day it was talking at you announcing you had to have the voice of god now they want you to talk with someone yeah you're not talking at them you're talking you're having a conversation that's the premise of casual nonsense i'll tell you that it's just you know well there you go conversation so nice tie-in mark they like that like that yeah that was a great segue (laughs) i get so many emails a day phone calls people wanting to get into voiceover and, and it's a great dream but you you know what what really turns them off at the first thing is you you got to get acting that right there bores them to death but you have to have acting you know Dawes butler was my early mentor he was uh the voice guy of hanna barbera he was the voice of huckleberry hound snagglepuss yogi bear elroy jetson and the list goes on and on and on one of my first classes uh with him when he took me on as a student i couldn't even afford him you know i was a 14 year old kid and i said mr butler i i can't i can't afford your classes you know i'm sorry yeah he was from chicago so he had this way of talking well that's okay connor <laughs> um you know you've got the drive and stuff like that and uh you know i hear a little bit of range with your voices so uh yeah i think that i think that you'll probably do pretty good but you got to get that acting you know if you don't have acting down then you know what the hell are you doing you got to just go build houses or some shit i said i couldn't afford his classes and he's he was the kindest man. He said, what can you afford at the time? I don't even remember the number. It was yeah, like half know, of your price. Yeah. $30, you know? And so he took that and he never took a dime more for me. He just took that. Uh, I took his classes up uh, until he passed away uh, in the late eighties, but he always used to get on to me and all the other students when we'd say, Hey, I'm going to learn to do a voice or I need to do Yogi bears voice or whatever. He goes, they're not voices. They're characters. Uh, Like, for example, Yogi Bear. I know what he has for breakfast. I know uh, what his favorite color is. Uh, I know who his girlfriend is. I know everything about Yogi Bear. Ask him. He's not a voice. He's a real character. It took me a long time to finally get on that train because, you know, you keep finding out, why am I not getting auditions? Well, the fact is, is you're not into the script. You're not finding out who is your listener. What do they need to know? What, what, What benefits them from this commercial or cartoon? You know, what what propels the story? Well, that was a long answer to your thing about getting started. They have to get that. If uh, if Dawes was that his name, Dawes, Dawes, yep, Dawes, Dawes Butler. So yep. what he should have done if, if this was today's age, what he would have done is he would have said, "Okay, listen, you can take my class. I'll take the thirty bucks as a as a down payment." But then he would have made you sign a contract and say, "I'm going to take one yeah, percent right. of your of your uh, profits in perpetuity." Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you do these, when you take these jobs, do they ever? Any like improv you have to do, or is it you know ninety percent script, ten percent improv? Like what? What do you think? For me, it's it's for most actors, it's going to be ninety percent, if not all, scripted. Okay. Uh, especially in this day and age, especially the commercials, they've gone through it's gone through legal and PR, and here we've got the script as the client, Crest Toothpaste wants it. Set. Oh yeah, because for commercials, and, yeah, yeah, that's right. Fair. Yeah. Now animation, there's a little more free form there, but they still they're still having to drive the story. You know, a lot of, in this day and age, a lot of the times when I'm working on a cartoon or whatever, I have no idea what the hell happened in the rest of the thing. I just know my part is I'm saying this and doing this. Yeah. And so they, they are they do have script. But again, this is where the acting comes in. This is what will separate a successful voiceover from someone who is just trying to get in is that successful voice actor can 
get a feel during the uh, the uh, recording session. You know what? It might help me if I would ad lib a little bit improv. That might help them, okay. the, the creators, get some ideas or spontaneity. They may not want it right there, but it goes in their mind. They're like, "Oh my god, this guy's brilliant!" So we want to get him on the next, the next cartoon that we're doing, or the next commercial, or whatever. Yeah, so, gets, yeah, gets yeah, booking now, those next couple jobs right away. Yeah. Right, right, right. Many years ago, I had the opportunity. I worked with the late Robin Williams uh, for for a project for Disney uh, for Walt, Walt Disney World. Just tell me, it was Aladdin? Was it Aladdin? <laughs> no, well, he had done Aladdin, and this was a a side project at Disney. You know, they always have a million projects that we're going to do, but they may not get funded or whatever. And this particular one was going to be for a ride or an attraction of something where the tourists go through or whatever. And he was doing some narration. And they were going to have me do a narration. So I looked. I we happened to be in the same sound booth together, and across across from us was uh, two other actors in another sound booth. So I had to share this sound booth with. Robin, you know, God forbid that, you know, it was right. amazing. <laughs> I glanced at his script and then I looked at mine. Mine had words all over the page. His just had ideas of where, where this is where we want to go. So the script had been crafted with Robin Williams in mind, knowing oh, yeah. you can't script Robin Williams. He's just going to, yep, yep. you know, you're just going to have it. A little side story real quick. Uh, he was nothing like what I thought he would be. He was uh, probably an anti-Robin Williams. He was very quiet had his son with him and I just thought, Oh my God, what, what's wrong with him? You know, because I thought he would be on, he wasn't funny. Uh, he was just very matter of fact when they were giving him direction, but when they called action, Oh my God, it was like a bolt of lightning. Yeah. Oh my, I can't even it was like the oxygen was sucked out of that, uh, booth and it all went to him. And then Robin was not 100% on, he was 1 billion percent on. Yeah. And here just came this, you know, God, I have no idea how the hell they were going to edit what they recorded, but uh, he did it. You know, that's how do you follow that act? You know, now I've got to step and do my little stuff. I've seen some behind the scenes, um, like different movies he was in where they talk right. about him and and that's like the, the improv piece. Right. I mean, that was his that was his jam. You know, oh my where God. he would go in yeah. and be like, well, here's, here's basically what we're going to be talking about here. And they might have certain points that you have to say these things, but then right. however you get there, you know, you let him do his thing. I mean, he would, and he was so great with impressions that, uh, you know, he would do it one way. This is the way Walter Cronkite would sound doing it. This is another way that, by the way, he would, uh, on the day we were recording this, uh, Robin would have turned 72 today. I miss him, man. Like he's, uh, we definitely lost a good entertainer yeah. uh, with him. So that's unfortunate. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, all right. Well, sorry to you know bring the mood down a little bit here, but that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, oh, sorry, yeah, I should probably shouldn't have done. No, but no, he was a creative force, and yeah, it was an honor to have worked with him. And you know, that's what I mean is he was a true artist coming to work. He he wasn't always on. Oh, you know, a lot of my friends are stand up comedians. They're probably the last person you would ever invite to uh, a party because what their their persona is on stage is usually not the way they are in real life. Right. You know hurt hurting for others is comedy you know it may be hell for that person going through so that's a lot of them they find laughter through tears and they turn those weak spots into their stand-up and i think that's what robin did you know he may be in shy or whatever the case but uh he was so respectful so quiet uh but uh man hell on wheels when uh they said go when when they when they call like you did when they call action game over I mean, we were just, we were blessed to have him for what we did. And, oh, um, totally. you know, I mean, his work Absolutely. is timeless, you know, so this, uh, yeah, he'll be like Chaplin. He'll, 
you know, in the year 2050, they'll know, they'll remember Robin Williams, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah no doubt about that. You coach that now? You coach voice acting now or voiceovers now? Is that something that you're you're into? Yeah, I, right. Yeah, so a lot of voiceover coaches, uh, you know, that's what they're good at. They, they uh, coach better probably than they are voice actors. And, uh, you know, there's some people that teach far better than uh, what they, you know, if they had to do that for a living. But they can help others. You know, it's just like a coach in football. He physically probably can't get out there and do that, you know, like the Michael Jordan for basketball, but he definitely can coach them and, and uh, you know, get that performance kind of out of them, help get that out of them. Uh, with me, I am a voiceover full time and I take students on the side. It's not a full time gig. And, you know, I just pick up occasional. I don't want to have too many because it's like, you know, then they don't get the attention uh, since I don't do coaching full time. It's just something I do when I have the capacity. Because uh, my day is, you know, I, I'm in the booth at uh, 5 a.m. And a lot of times I don't get out of here until 11 o'clock at night. You know, it's just, it's, wow. a, it's a full day. Keeping it yeah, busy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is the way I like it. If I give you 30 bucks, you won't coach me for life? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it worked for you, right? It's got to work for me. <laughs> right, it sure right? did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sure now if, if Dawes could go back and claim that 10 or 15%, uh, he would have. Yeah, I'm sure his family would have enjoyed it, right? <laughs> right, right, right. That's right. awesome. Yeah, exactly. No, that's super cool, man. So the one thing too, uh, we talked about this a little bit, where you're like to, to stick with your persona, right. you don't show your face anywhere, right? So you do all these different voices, and nobody outside of people that you know on a personal level know what you look like. I think that's I think that's super cool. I love the mystery around that. Keep that up. I wasn't sure if today, like, so we see each other and I, you know, I'll forget what you look like as soon as we're done. I was, I was half wondering <laughs> if you're going to show up with like, like a mask on or, you know, yeah, maybe the like the, the yeah. glasses with the, with the nose and the mustache, you know, <laughs> the Mr. Potato Head face, you know. It's funny what, you know, someone that was wanting to do a, a podcast or a television show interview with me there, it was filmed and they wanted me to appear on that. So how this ended up working is they had my glasses by fishing line in front of the guy talking and I'm off camera answering him. And then they went back with a computer, I guess, and erased the, the film. So your line. glasses are just hanging there. Like so he just <laughs> talked to your glasses. Right. Like I'm the invisible man. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was funny as heck, but uh, yeah, you know, part of my branding has always been, um, you know, less is more. So it's like, it allows them to focus just on the sound of my voice. You know, today they really bank on, you know, if you look at toy story, they look, they definitely look at the celebrity. A real quick story. Years and years ago, you know, my agent was saying, uh, you know, we had to go to Burbank at the Disney Studios to audition. And a group of us went down there. We looked at the script. And when I walked in the room, the part that I was reading was for a character called Mufasa. And it was going to be for the Lion King, which, you know, we didn't know what the hell that was at that point. When we walked in the room, we see a chair with the name James Earl Jones. Yeah, it's a stiff competition right there. Who do you think is going to get? Yeah, come on. But it was a Disney audition, so I thought at, in those days it was, you know, you had the best craft services table and you'd get a jacket and, you know, you got all kinds of promo gear. As a general rule, when uh, when Darth Vader wants to apply for a role, he's going to get it. So <laughs> Yeah, or he'll put you in a hell of a chokehold and, you know, <laughs> believe me, you don't want that. You know, even today it's like, uh, you know, you have George Clooney and uh, Rob, Rob Lowe and different stuff. They're doing voiceovers. Uh, for a lot of foreign companies that pay them very, very handsomely oh, for bet. a famous American, uh, you know, more than an American company will pay them. Yeah. So 
you you just ne- you never know. And for uh, them, it's like they can do probably a couple of days worth of work. You know, totally. make, you know, so you're not on set for four months, whatever you do a couple of days worth of work and you make, you know, not the same amount of money, but enough to right. be like, you know what, this, this fills those gaps, That's it. you know, listen, uh, dude, it was great having you on the show. Oh my I definitely, uh, definitely learning a lot about the voice, uh, voiceover industry and, and what it takes. I look at it and I say, well, I'm doing this podcast. Like I'd love to do some commercials, but I don't know that I'm willing to put the work in to uh <laughs> to do just that so so we'll see we'll see what happens i'm i'm, I'm right, happy right, with right. what i got right but uh yes. anything uh any final thoughts you want to anything we forget to mention that you want to toss out there you know, i just if someone whether they're wanting to start a podcast maybe or you know whatever they're wanting to do start a voiceover you know follow your dreams you don't want to be uh, 95 saying i wished i would have try it i mean you know, I have a lot of people that take uh, coaching from me. They don't necessarily want to become actors, but they want to uh, learn how to speak uh, more eloquently, or maybe they want to stand up in front of the, the office and be able to talk with yeah. confidence or gravitas. And so I just think the final thought would be, you know, whatever you want to do, whether it's voiceover or acting of any type, whatever you want to do, pursue it. You know, it may not be that you're going to win the Academy Award, but it might help you in other areas of your life with your self-confidence and, uh, you know, just overall social, social ability. I think that's well said right there, sir. Good job. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. Uh, you know, Chuck is in the mail. <laughs> uh, it just, just keep waiting for it. It'll be there. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll stand by the mailbox yeah. right now. Yep. Mark, Mark, did you forget me? <laughs> I ran out of stamps. I'm sorry. Uh, right. Right. So what I'll do is I'm going to put some information in the, uh, the, the, the show notes description and okay. um, just how, if people want to check out, I, I definitely recommend that people at least go through and check out your, uh, your demo reel. I, I promise you that they've, they've heard you. Uh, I almost had seen, they heard you before, um, <laughs> you know, in some of the, the commercials or uh, movie intros, things like that. So you, if you, uh, you attract what you put out there and, and uh, I would love it if they came to my website and checked it out, whether they want to pursue acting or not. It's voxguy.com. Like you said, it's going to be uh, you know, in, in, in the information. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Uh, like I said, I appreciate yeah. your time today. Um, so if everyone listening, you know, please, uh, please check out, check out Connor's information when you see it down below. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening. Be sure to share, like, maybe tell, tell a friend, share the podcast with at least one friend today. That'd be great. Uh, otherwise, stay casual. Stay casual.